Today's episode of Old School Red Hill is in part sponsored by Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport. You know, we talk a lot about going home here on the podcast. And well, quite frankly, if you're going to go home to the Bridgeport area, there's nothing like a great meal at Gray's. 75 years they've been in that location. Four generations of the Gray family has greeted you with a smile each and every time you walked in the door. They still cut their own steaks on site, and I don't care where you go in this area, you'll always hear somebody say, oh yeah, that restaurant over in Bridgeport where we got those great catfish dinners. Well, they've still got that too. Take a look on the Facebook page, and they always post their daily lunch specials and any other dinner specials that they may have. And during these crazy times of this pandemic, you can still dine in, at least as of right now. But if not, or if you just can't or don't want to, you can always call 618-945-9501 and pick up your dinner through that world-famous pickup window in the back. I've done that several, several times. Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport. There's nothing like a dinner there. Makes you feel like home. 618-945-9501. Farming is an important American tradition. That's why People's State Bank has been working with farmers and their families since 1875. We've had the privilege of serving a wide variety of livestock and agricultural needs. As a community bank, we take pride in the personal relationships we've built over generations. From bidding on animals shown by young farmers in the 4-H ring at the county fair, to welcoming those same farmers into our offices with their first business for the family farm, our customers are more than an account number in a computer. From a sporting standpoint, People State Bank has been a longtime partner with the school districts, sponsoring academic projects, athletic teams, travel, uniforms, and much, much more. We have also been proud to support Pack the Place for the last 10 years, paying everyone's admission for one of the county rival basketball games each year. Find convenient locations in Sumner, St. Francisville, Lawrenceville, and Bridgeport. People's State Bank thanks you for allowing us to be a part of your lives and appreciates the opportunity to serve and give back to our communities in this way. People's State Bank. Every step I take, I know that I'm not alone. You take the home from the boy, but not the boy from his home. These are my streets, the only life I've ever known. He says you can't go. Well, when you hear that song, you can guarantee two things. Bon Jovi's about to sue us, and the old-school Red Hill podcast is about to start. Thanks for joining us again on another episode of the old-school Red Hill podcast. We are having just such a great time bringing these shows to you. And uh, as we look today, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, but we're very excited. Not only are we getting a lot of listens the week of the broadcast, but we're finding that more and more people are discovering what we're trying to do here and going back and listening to episodes from a while back and uh, very, very encouraging. And all that comes to the airwaves because of the three gentlemen I'm about to introduce. The writers, directors, producers of Old School Red Hill. Let's start with... The man from south of Bridgeport on one of the giant farming dynasties of the county, Mr. David King. Up, Rhino. 
And coming still waiting, that, still waiting for that cease and desist letter to come through, by the way. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping John hasn't heard this yet. Um, or Richie or any of the other ones. Tico Torres. I know there's one more at least. Anyway, also coming to us from Bloomington, Illinois. And if you could see the picture, which I'm sure we'll post one of him, his background now, looks like he's sitting on the Red Hill track, Mr. Chip Jamerson. Hi, Brino. How are you tonight? Doing well. Awesome. And another one. That that episode 10 was that was a blast. So ready to roll again. Absolutely. And coming to us from Evansville, Indiana, Mr. Gary Emmons. Hello, hello, everybody. So we uh coming off one of our one of the best episodes that we've done and and you know we're not professional broadcasters here we're trying to figure out how to do all this and how to interview people but when you've got somebody like our guest last week chip it uh, makes it a little easier um just just a fantastic person and, and so fun to talk about mandy cunningham yeah i just got done listening to the episode today and yeah it was i'd already heard it all i was there for it obviously but yeah she was she was great excellent interview gary did you hear anything that that was new to you or surprised you about uh, mandy's career well you know obviously you knew how hard she worked at it and uh you know it came natural to her she wasn't like i said i, I thought my favorite part is when she said that no one made her go out and do these things and i think that's something that we probably lose a lot of these days and uh i mean like i said it's the hard work that she put into it obviously paid off and uh you know just uh it was strange too because I haven't talked, I haven't heard her voice in how many ever years it's been. And yeah. It felt like just, just like we just talked to her just a, just not too long ago, you know. So it was it was really cool talking to Mandy again. Yeah, and and we talked about it at the end of the episode. But Dave, you had the luxury of seeing her both at Red Hill and and the University of Illinois. Do you remember the buzz around her when she went up there? Because she had a great career at Illinois. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved to. I would love to spend another hour talking about her career at Illinois, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I know, you know, obviously her, her role up and on, on that team was different than it was at Red Hill. Um, but I believe she ended up, she ended up as one of the, maybe the top three point shooter. No. Oh, yeah. There in, 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 in team history. I don't know if that, I don't know if that record still stands today, but I mean, she was, uh, she was a, had a very good career up there as well. Yeah, and we and, and we didn't even and we didn't even mention the fact that she played there with her sister too. That's right. Well, we did. Yeah, she talked about okay. American yeah. with her. We touched on it, and we did forget one thing that we'll probably talk about in the spring. Chip, the, what was that? I we uh, we had threatened. Mandy was also the prom queen in night at the nineteen eighty nine uh, prom. She and and Brady Havel was the the king but we'll have our prom episode coming up in may so we'll definitely get more into that at that time not a bad career scoring you know as many points as nearly everyone in state history valedictorian and prom queen it's not it's not a bad resume to have so we always do a thing um that uh, who won the episode and you know i don't think there's any doubt when when we talk about who won the mandy cunningham episode and i think it was david king Oh, great. Good job, Dave. Wow. No, I don't think we need to do that. So, Gary, kind of talk about, I guess this is sort of a breather episode. It's one we don't have a guest and and don't really have a a real hard topic. We're just going to see where it takes us. But talk about what we're going to do here in in episode number 11. Well, kind of a... uh 
the next step after our second episode, we talked a lot about the different facilities there at Red Hill, the gym and the, uh, all the different nooks and crannies of that area and, and, and how much and the different things you remember from that. We wanted to kind of do a play another part of some of the other facilities and, and um, fields and different things that we all uh, experienced there and some of the stories that may bring up. And, um, you know, I think we'll just start with chips. Like I said, Brian, I may take a pick of this, but the, the track right behind chip right there. I mean, that's something that uh, I didn't re- recall. I wasn't, uh, I was in college at that point when all that came to be when, uh, you know, the old cinder track and many things go through my mind with that cinder track. If you ever fell down on it by chance and Oh, that was just terrible. If anybody that's, ever did that. That's oh. my first, that's my first memory of that is falling down on it, skinning up your hands, ripping, almost ripping your football pants. It was just, yeah. The, the black cinder <laughs> stuck in your yeah. skin. It was gross. What year did, did the cinders go away and, and the all weather track get put in? Well, it started in uh, the first I could see from the school board meeting was 97. August of 97 was the first time that it got brought up. And Fred White was uh, instrumental in this whole project of getting this change. And I don't know if I completely know or or knew of the entire motivation behind that. Obviously, there was a lot of uh, obvious factors as to why that came to be. Um, But, you know, he kind of spearheaded this whole thing. And uh, like I said, August of 97 was the first of that. I think one of the things too that uh, upset some people. I remember, you know, hearing that that of course football games, you know, right. you're basically on the field, um, just ten yards from the football field at any given moment. I think a lot of people were upset by that, thinking that you know now they're going to be sitting another 20, 20 feet, twenty yards back from uh, from the field again. I know there was a lot of people upset upset with that at, at the time. Um, but going back in my head, too, I know this is a couple of years later, but I got to think about Matt Shear and what kind of career does Matt Shear have if he's running on the cinder track? You know, I don't know how much of that would have affected his yeah, career. Yeah, because it came in like it came in with him. Like he came yeah. in with that cinder with the with the new all weather track. So it worked out perfectly. What kind of and do they wear? Was, diff- that a mo- was that a motivation? Yeah. Possibly could have been. I've always path. thought it might be, but maybe yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people didn't know what he'd be capable of in high school, but I've, um, I mean, I assume, I assume he's one of the greatest, maybe the greatest peer athlete that's ever went to Red Hill. I mean, I'm sure he, I'm sure he had all sorts of potential in uh junior high. Did, what's so. the difference in a shoe? Do you know, I mean, on a, between the two, like, I, I don't know what kind of shoes you wear on an all weather track. I mean, I, obviously I know on the cinders, I mean, there was a long spike. Yeah. I those. think it's a shorter spike. I'm not an expert by any means, yeah. but yeah. yeah, there is definitely a difference, but yeah, don't, I don't have all the exacts. Did, did, uh, obviously I didn't, um, well, I did my freshman year. I did run a little bit of track. I had about a six month period where I was actually had some speed. Um, did anybody else do anything track wise when they were in high school? I did not. No. Not high school. I was on. I did run in seventh grade, and then I was the track manager in eighth grade because I realized I was slow. I ran the eight hundred just because it's somewhere where they could stick me, just because I was like one of the slowest people on the team, and you know I didn't do well in the eight hundred, but it was my one event they put me in. But I realized being manager, I could still get out of school early to go to all the meets <laughs> and uh, still got to be with my friends and everything. And I didn't have to run. So now I, I, okay. I will tell you, I Coach Dixon and Coach Bowser worked me pretty hard at those meets. I mean, I was, you know, keeping times and, and distances on the field events. But, yeah, I did. I was manager in, in eighth grade. And 
a lot of great memories from junior high track, but high school track I wasn't involved with at all. Yeah, I had a very, very brief, uh, brief time in in track. I think it was my freshman year. I ran uh, ran in a relay that we actually did did okay in, but uh, they they didn't want me out there running around the. So none of you guys did junior high track. I thought everybody did junior high track. Wow, that's a lot of points. <laughs> that's a lot of points left on the table that Red Hill could have garnered at some track meets back then. You know, I would, just, not, have been, I would not have been scoring any points for anybody. So. Yeah, I was just thinking, it, tracks in the spring, right? Yeah. So we must have just come together to run that relay just for the conference meet or something, because obviously we played baseball, and I know Shannon was running. Okay, we, so they must have just recruited a team to get to the, together for that. Maybe they didn't. Yeah, good move. Absolutely, yeah. Like I know my senior year, I think you know, obviously uh, Justin Shear and D Holloway and Bobby, those guys all played baseball. But I know they ran a few. Uh, Bobby ran track. Yeah, I, I mean they I'm both. Sure. They did both at the, at, yeah. the, at the time too. And I know they did. They went to. I don't think they went to every track. Makes I'm sure they were on, yeah. on some of the same days. You know, but. Did you guys back, ever real quick? Did you guys ever see Matt run in high school? Matt I, Shear? I, did, I, did, I, I never yeah. did. No, I never. Yeah, I would. I went up to the state track meet in 2002 his senior year i, I were yeah, down to the straight that's it where the, I was. at but eiu it was yeah um it was I mean, he did like i've mentioned on some other podcasts he was always stuck behind ryan ryan shields was his t-town like we talked about with mandy um yeah. he and ryan were the same age and um he was never able to but he got you know and we'll have a whole match here episode <laughs> for sure um he you know third place in the state um, his senior year by himself. He was the only person that made it to the weekend to run wow. to the Saturday. And so, yeah, third place, one person. It was, it was, it was an impressive day. We probably need yes. somebody to start a drinking game every time we say, um, well, that, I'm sure that'll get its own podcast. <laughs> that was some of these things we say, will probably never get their own podcast. If we can get Matt be, on, he's, that might be that's dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, so Matt, if you happen to be listening to this at some point, we, yeah. we definitely want you as a guest. Get ready. He'll do it. For sure. He'll do it. <laughs> He'll do it. So looking at some of this, you know, it was kind of like a, a a story that took a long time. Like I said Fred White was the instrumental in getting this going, and uh, he had first reported there in August of 97 that uh, basically they were going to get some grants from the state. The Department of Commerce and Community Affairs was going to be able to give like 44 grand, and the other 85,000 that they projected that was going to cost is going to come from local businesses and individuals and, uh, and fundraisers. And I think one of the common themes you'll see throughout Red Hill, the different projects that go on are the volunteers that end up volunteering their time and money to put a lot of these projects together. I was noticed like Mac Thacker was big on getting the lights out the tank farm and, and for the softball. And almost all that work was done by, by volunteers and more brothers is always heavily involved in these things. So, you know, it's another, another awesome thing with that small little community is that people always pitch in to do, to do uh, their part in order for it to basically in these situations to benefit kids. Absolutely. And you know, somebody that has been a major, major supporter throughout the years with, without question is Andrew's insurance agency. Um, they're located at 542 main street. I mean, everybody knows where they're at. Their number is 618-945-2881. 
independent insurance agents, Terry Andrews and Justin Shear can help you with all your insurance needs. So when, uh, when you think insurance in Bridgeport, give it to Saluki supporters, give them that business and let them know that you heard about them here on the podcast. Andrews insurance agent, give uh, T-Bone and Juice a call at 618-945-2881. They appreciate your business. So in this, the first, uh, they were thinking that uh, in August of 20, August 28th and 97, they construction is going to start soon, they said, and it was supposed to be done by December, by the end of the year of 97. Well, come to find out that didn't really, there was a lot of uh, hiccups along the way. Uh, I thought it was interesting when they first started to look at the building and looking at, and surveying the land that they found out that the uh, the west side of the track was uh, five feet higher than the east side of the track. So I think coming around round four, you're basically running it uphill, which is why that sucks so damn bad when you're trying to finish up the race there. But I don't think that's <laughs> why I, it was for me. <laughs> <laughs> so they obviously, you know, you look at that, and that's, that's a big, that's a big aspect when you have to just flatten that big, big of an area. So that's something they had to do. Fred White announced that he was going to be in contact with Jackie Joyner Kersey to come out about doing an opening, uh, the opening ceremonies and wow. doing a clinic and, what I could find that never came to fruition, but that was great. You know, great thoughts that he was going to, he was going to do that. December of 97, things aren't going how they thought they didn't quite get, get it going. They were hoping to be done by this. Um, they announced in the school board meeting that the project lost a $15,000 contributor. Do you know why? Okay. Wait a minute. Okay. Tell me the year again. It was December of 97. And it sounds like an individual was going to give 15 grand to this project. And this person pulled out. Gosh, I'm racking my brain here. It, it, 97, 97. Hmm. I, it has nothing to do with the year, but it goes back. It's rivalry. The project was going to be going to be open to the entire county. They invited Lawrenceville. They invited the Unit 20 student athletes to use it. The guy pulled out saying he didn't want it to be a community-wide uh, open. He wanted it to be only for Unit 10. So I don't know if it was a guy or a girl. I don't know who it was. But Oh, so we uh, don't know the answer to this. I was I was hoping we knew. I, I wanted <laughs> I, a name on it who was it was. Anonymous, <laughs> but the reason was that it was pure rivalry. I like it because we still got the track. So yeah. I, I, I like what he did there. <laughs> I wonder if that 15 grand still floating around out there available. <laughs> Probably <laughs> we not. Need new, sure. We need new microphones. <laughs> um little, uh, not a great thing I saw January in the Bridgeport Social News. They reported they're going to have a chili supper and a slave auction uh, to raise money for the, for the project. Uh, co-chairpersons, Jeannie Darnell and Deb Reinhardt. It was sponsored by the Trace Inn. So, you know, I guess 97, we weren't really uh, very progressive. In wait, our wait, wait, wait. I have questions. I don't know if I have answers. Was that a... Was that a misprint or like, did someone get auctioned off and you had to like go work at their house? I'm assuming that's was the case. I'm pretty confident that's what, that's what happened. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's not, not great. And it probably wouldn't fly these days, but I guess in the late nineties and all, all was well. So I wonder who was doing that because like, let's just say it was T-Bone and he donated like 45 minutes. So then I could just bid. And if I won, he had to like come over and like trim my bushes or something. <laughs> I think it was all, whatever you needed done. Yeah, I'm going to research this a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we've got I want do. more info on this. We may do a that, whole that, that <laughs> drink. <laughs> take a drink. Take a drink. 
January of 98, the school board meeting, Donovan Paddock was upset because he believed that the district and the taxpayers should be funding some more of this cost, which never, never came to be. January of the same year, Fred White said the track account only had sixteen thousand uh, dollars in it at the time, so we, we weren't doing great. With well, it should have had thirty-one. I know that guy pulled out because the robbery. They also found out that the water main, which that may come up, uh, that was maybe something we talked about earlier, but the water main that broke in eighty-seven, October of eighty-seven. Uh, Wall eighty-seven. Well, that was the great weekend that yes. Brian and Chip and I experienced at my uncle Roger's wedding, and. Yeah, we missed that, and because that was like the one. I think that was the one high school game I missed in my four years was that weekend of the water main break. Well, and I guarantee you that that triggered a boil order in Petrolia. Absolutely, there's no <laughs> doubt. That game, I thought so. That game that week against Oblong in October of '87 got moved to Oblong because of our, our field was uh, you couldn't play. I didn't realize Chad Happy Harris was such a football stud. I remember that. that. Well, I was dating Daphne at the time, and they were cousins, so I remember when, when Happy was was uh, was running over people up there. Wow, I didn't know about that. Happy Harris. I didn't know they were cousins either. I'm learning all kinds <laughs> of things here. In the 18-7 to 7 win, Happy Harris goes 25 rushes for 144 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Ambrose goes 23 for 174. How long would it take Happy lost. Harris to run 144 yards now? Oh, God. <laughs> Without stopping? I don't think he would do it. I, I doubt, so. uh, February of 98, we're going to move along a little bit here. The Principal Mike Cummins went to the City Council meeting and worked with Steve Boatman. Uh, to try to get this whole water main thing figured out. And they obviously, they obviously, it cost, it cost a little bit of money, 3200 bucks, but they got it done. March of 98, project is now postponed till the summer. So we have another, another okay. delay. Now Matt's in eighth grade right now. So we're getting very close to him entering high school. So yeah, we'll 98, 98's when things get going. We have, uh, uh, I thought it was kind of nice. Casey's General Store in Bridgeport and Sumner donated 1% of all their gas sales on, on May 30th to go towards the project. So good job for Casey's. Mm. Construction finally begins in September of uh, 98. November of 98, it gets open to the public with the ribbon cutting ceremony. Said more than 60 people uh, attended. So, you know, it took it took a long time. Fred White basically started this. And after all the, the hiccups and the problems that they had, um, you know, they, they get they got it done. End up costing two hundred grand. Um, at that time, it still they said they still owed sixty thousand dollars on the project, but you know they they got the all weather track. And like I said, I I think that was probably instrumental. One of the things I had read too is that before that, Red Hill hardly ever scheduled home track meets. They only had yeah. like maybe two or three home track meets a year on this cinder track. And obviously after that, then you know you're wide open to schedule all kinds of different things at that point with that type of facility. So I'm surprised that I doesn't seem like that's over twenty years old. And, a, and another, yeah. I don't know how they, that was a complete, obviously we have a new surface on it now too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's about two years. We've had this yeah. blue surface, which I, I like, it looks like the EIU track. Okay. The, so let's talk, let's talk for, and, and maybe we don't have all the, we'll, we'll take a shot at this. Is our Mount Rushmore of, of Red Hill track? I'm just going to say Shank, Shear, Coltus. Who am I missing? Jay Murphy. Yeah. Jay Murphy. There you go. There you go. We, that was easy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, so if, if, well, if, if we, I mean, who's on the outside looking Jame, in here, Jamisha Western also, um, you're she, in the field events. Um, I think that's, is that her name? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. She went to division, uh, Nebraska. Michigan. Yeah. Nebraska. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, that's right. Okay. So, well, yeah. if we're missing people jump on the Facebook page and let us know, but I think that's a, probably a fairly solid four. 
John yeah. Christie probably had a few records, I know. And yeah, I think yeah, he would have been there his last year or two because he was on that when we were looking at those early at the transition. I think he played maybe maybe his junior and senior year where he was at Red Hill or maybe just his senior year. But Tony Weston had a heck of a career. No, he great career. Not, yeah. Yeah. Tony great Weston career. can't make the Mount Rushmore. That tells yeah. how loaded our track athletes are. I'll tell you, I ran around that track about two months ago. I oh wow. I did a run with King around Bridgeport. And then I afterwards I wanted to run a little bit more. I wanted to try out this track so I'd have some firsthand knowledge whenever this episode came up. And how was it's it? a great run. I love when you get on the back stretch and you're over by the visitors' bleachers. I don't think it was always this way. I think it was built up probably in part of this so that things weren't the same elevation and so forth. But when you get on that back stretch by those visitors' bleachers, so those that run the track will understand this. It's like you're like so elevated. It's like you're on a cliff right over Judy Avenue. I don't know. I thought it was a cool feeling. So I don't know if any other runners feel that way when they're on the backstretch, but uh, I loved it thank when you're you. in lane six. Think how it used to feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when you're, yeah. you're running downhill over there. Because I don't remember it being like, as if you drive by down GM, you can see how it's like built up over there. Yeah. I don't remember it always being that way. Where you know, I don't, I don't remember when this, but I read something when I was looking some stuff up that when they, uh, of course, they had always put the bleachers at that time, the bleachers like were on the, right. on the cinder track and they yeah. moved them out every year. Yeah. And that was something they talked about. They needed to build like a platform. So that, that's where I get my, yeah. that's where I get the cool feeling on the back yeah. stretches because of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So they built that to, you know, so that way they have to move those bleachers all the time. So I know King's been running again. So King, you got to go up there and do some speed workouts on the track and and find out for yourself. Yeah, my Bridgeport runs. I've never that well that one we went on a few weeks ago. I was not uh, I was I was I was not equipped to go any further than we did. Well, Dave, if you do go up there and run around the track, um, guys, what's right across the street? Let's see, I, pizza, Griffin's pizza, pizza House. Yes. Hey, when you think about pizza in Bridgeport, Illinois think no further than griffin's pizza house you know where they're at right there across from the football field in bridgeport you can dine in drive through or as a former delivery guy you know you can call 618-945-3663 and they will bring a piping hot pie right to your door their hours are tuesday through sunday 4 p.m to 9 p.m so give them a call 618-945-3663 and they've got a new special starting in november the employee is going to pick the pizza of the month, a specialty pizza that you can order. And for November, it is a breakfast pizza. So give them a call, 618-945-3663, Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. So, well, so great. The location of uh, the old lose for people that uh, haven't been back to Bridgeport for a while. I know what I think of when you think about lose. What are you guys, first thing you think of? Mine's when they had the video game. I used to go down yeah. there and... And play video machine. games and um, buy soda and eat candy. I was going to say candy games. and candy and video games. That's my um, millipede um, video game. Uh, sc buying score baseball cards in 88 where you could like, I don't know how many baseball card collectors we have here, but you could like kind of see which it was a kind of a transparent plastic package. You could see some of your cards you're getting. The other thing is if you ever went over there at lunch, I was not a lose lunch eater, but if you, We've talked about the concession stand being smoke filled down at the uh, at the school. <laughs> if you ever went into lose at lunchtime to grab a snack, uh, yeah, it was just a wall of smoke that hit you. <laughs> and it wasn't adults in there. <laughs> I was, was going to say students or adults. <laughs> students. <laughs> Well, all that's really good, but the correct answer is tacos. <laughs> they used to have a taco 
and it, they were a dollar a piece, and you could not fit any more meat in these tortillas. I mean, it, for a buck, it was fantastic. So, um, and and they did the tortillas may have had a hint of smoke to them. Now that I think about it, I'm sure it was an open <laughs> kitchen, so I'm sure they did. Yeah, but uh, but anyway, give the pizza house your business, and hey, and just real quick, you know, obviously Gray's is a sponsor, and, and we're happy to have the pizza house, and and during these crazy times of uh of the pandemic and who knows when dine-in's going to go away try to give those guys your business and and order takeout from the restaurants and support them like like they've supported red hill sports in the community all these years we'd appreciate it so uh what are we going to next well, i always like to talk about the uh it's the concession stand for the football field right so did you guys ever during football practice to sneak in there and drink any of this, the, the fountain soda? Did you guys ever do that? Yeah, I did. I had that down <laughs> no, in my notes, I didn't. actually. <laughs> I didn't even know that was uh, possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, we figured it out my senior year, Gary's sophomore year. I don't know if he figured it out the year before or not, but I think that was my first year trying it. Yeah, I mean, you'd be so hot and sweaty, and I'd drink – I'd get me a big – not a big old – you know, one of those however, eight-ounce Small cups waxy or cups. Small waxy cup of kick. And it was just like it would just like make my eyes water. I don't know what it was. But it, was it was the sweat, the heat, the the, the kick. kick. But I, yeah, it tasted so good during a water break going back there. I, and I know Gary and I weren't the only people. It was pretty popular, so I, oh, yeah, I know no, we yeah. shouldn't we shouldn't have done that. But no, that was bad. That was bad. We're thinking, transparent was on the show. Yeah. yeah, you owe Red Hill High School about twelve dollars. <laughs> did uh, Did anybody ever work in there? I never did throughout my entire career. I worked basketball. I I, um, I, I worked basketball my senior year when I didn't play, but I never worked concession stands out there. I was actually thinking about this because I thought it might come up tonight, and it seems like maybe I did once as a freshman sophomore because I was, you know, I've always been a lover of Red Hill High School. I mean, from the time I was a little kid, that's if you that I've been pretty that's been pretty evident on these episodes. But I kind of wanted to like experience all these things that I had seen as a kid growing up. Ooh, the high school kids in the concession stand. So it seems like I got on the list one time. I don't think I ever worked the basketball. Maybe I worked the basketball concession stand, but maybe once for like a half time. So I mean, we're talking 15 minutes was. Yeah, I've worked at basketball concessions a couple times my senior year, but football, I remember setting up like hot chocolate with my mom for the FHA. Yeah. Um, I did, I did that through like through junior high and even through high school a little bit, but just setting, you know, setting up didn't actually. Yeah, you were a four year, you know, four year player at the sure, high school sure, level, so right. you didn't never got that chance. I think when we played back there, we always practiced either on the field itself or just there, just north of the field, in that little open area. Yeah. We never practiced across the street over by the bus barn when when I when I think when we were all playing. Yeah, I did. Uh, did we practice over there? I yeah. remember practicing oh, there yeah, quite a bit. Sure. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that. And I just like I just feel like we practice on the field a lot. And I think, of course, once the time changed, you didn't have much of a choice but to practice on the field because it got dark so early. But um, I think yeah, my I freshman, like even my freshman and sophomore year, I think it didn't we didn't do it often, but every once in a while we would go we would go across there like the linemen and and do like drills over there. And, and it seems to be like I remember doing a lot of like sc- kind of scrimmage over there. Like we do all of our you know, our pre-practice things and drills and so forth on the, where you're talking about north, would you say north of the field? Yeah. North of the field. And, um, but yeah, I remember what, and that, you know, maybe it's, I only remember a few instances, but I, yeah, I remember going there like, you know, 
scrimmage. Yeah. Running. I remember I I messed up. I hurt my elbow there my senior year. Uh, we were doing. I was playing line, and I think I was across from Willie Williams, and my elbow caught his helmet wrong, and like, is like you know hit like the funny bone or whatnot, and it was like that the rest of the year. I just I'll always remember being on that field, yeah. to, and then coach having to wrap my elbow up and basically so it uh, get you back out there. Get, well, it wasn't nice. There, so. there was a lot of rocks. No, there was rocks. <laughs> maybe it's better. <laughs> I, was now. Gonna, I was just going to say that there was lots of rocks. I, I know. You know, and you couldn't practice on the field too much because with with the games and everything, by the end of the year, that that the center part of that football field was getting pretty worn. It is, but you know, Billy's done a great job with that now because I know in the last few years we've gone back for playoff games. The field is looks looks almost immaculate now, I and mean, they've been obviously put a lot of work into into that field. Because you're right, by week seven, eight, nine, that thing was basically from twenty to twenty between the hash marks was there was hardly any grass. If you ever played in a game in rain, it was, uh, and then you get a, wa- and then you get a water main break against. <laughs> yeah. <long> week of that. <laughs> so here's a question. And Gary probably, I don't even know if you can answer this, Gary, you didn't watch many football games at that field, but, um, whether it was when you weren't playing and, or when you got out of high school, where was your section? So, you know, you were, you, you got your bleacher crowd. Then you've got your locker room end crowd, like where the players come out. Basically, you've got the other side, and then you've got the the group of people that always seem to congregate right in front of the concession stand. Well, I know, like I said, for the few for the few games I've gone back to, like '96 was definitely when that's when you could still be on the track, and they had the Bertha bleachers in for the Mount Carmel game that that year. So that that was probably about the 20 yard line on the south end is kind of where I perched in, but. The last few years, and Chip, Dave, and I have gone to games. We've been we just up in the bleachers is where uh, is where we boy have already been sitting. I yeah, think I'll always I always consider and well I always picture myself there for the game at the Snake Pit in Mount Carmel, um, but uh, and and the '96 game at Red Hill in the playoffs. But yeah, that 20, 20 yard line on basically it would be the south end of Red Hill, basically the same side of the field there at the pit. That's where I picture those games taking place. And we might have uh, we might have roamed further down the field a little bit. But yeah, yeah. I was time. always for for many years. I was almost directly, like kind of directly in front of the concession stand, but straight. But then on the track, you know, right against the fence or the the little thing we had before the fence, uh, yeah. the railing that was around the track with the wire that you could you know you sit on the railing and put your feet on the wire and got yourself balanced up there. But whatever yard line that would be. 30 i'm not sure 35 but uh, i've got a very speaking of the other end of that building where the the may uh, the men's rest well both restrooms are there at the football field so when i was a little kid i'm talking you know i don't know third fourth grade fifth grade nah, not that old probably second or third grade i was scared to death to go to the bathroom because that back behind those bleachers right in front of the bathroom was where all the high school kids stood and i i was just scared to death to go in there for whatever reason to walk through so all those dark high back there too. yeah oh yeah it was very dark uh, so i was scared to death and i remember i mean there were several nights where i you know i'm about to pee my pants i have to go so bad but i was not walking through that that intimidating group of high school kids to go to the bathroom so finally one night i finally did it i'm like i gotta go so again you know a little fat eight nine year old whatever i walked through there and made it through unscathed nobody did anything to me I go in there, I'm using the bathroom. Lo and behold, when I'm done, I go out to push the door open and it won't open. I, so I'm stuck. 
And I'm like, oh, no. So I think I've locked myself in there or something, and I'm pushing on this door and pushing on it. And then finally I push on it again, and whatever high school jackass was holding the door shut opens it, and I go flying out. And I'm like, God, I, I held it all these years for fear. This is why, because they shut me in the damn bathroom. What year do they uh, redo the press box? Do you guys remember when that would have been done? Uh, I did some I did some searches for it in the Daily Record and couldn't find anything. That Except that old press box was now. I mean, it was small and it was rickety. It was definitely needed. It's a much a much better upgrade now than what they. Yeah, it's huge up there. Now I went yeah. there and bought a hat from T Bone at the playoff game a few years ago. Um, yeah, it was this first time I had seen the inside of it. Yeah, it's massive. I didn't realize how small it was before until I saw what it looks like now. I mean, they they put the whole team up there sometimes for like. Um, Playoff shows or something like when they're yeah, a pairing yeah. show, they'll have the whole team yeah. up in the press box. Oh, really? Oh. Or at least that you know the var- much of the team, at least the ones that play varsity. Any idea who the uh, PA announcer was before Bone took over? That's a good question. Oh, I don't have any idea. He's been doing it for a long time. I mean, he was he was doing it when I was in high school, so I don't know what yeah, year he would have I... taken over. But um, I can't imagine anywhere around there. There's there's been that a person doing it that long with the, the trademark uh, off your seats and on your feet and brought down by a pack of dogs. And I mean, that that's probably as iconic as it gets around there. I would say. All right. So why don't we head inside to the varsity locker room now? I know it hasn't always been there. Um, I think growing up, I just kind of always assumed it was there, but after learning more and doing this podcast, I know a lot more about Red Hill than I knew before that I was reading an old school board report. It was actually the from 1982 when I was researching one of the other podcasts. And it said the industrial arts room was under the was under the West bleachers. So I've got to think the industrial arts room and those would have been where the varsity locker room is now or the wet or the weight room or something. Um really then, yeah they were they were talking about the move eventually moving it out of because there was some t- talk at the meeting that the some safety with the bleachers and things like that there was a whole discussion about it yeah. and with that also came up the board meeting that we're eventually well, going to get the end not that that has anything to do with the safety of the bleachers but i think it came up in the discussion that we're eventually going to get that out from under the bleachers which i guess so, that's why the the weight equipment was in the in the concession exactly stand. it's yeah. all coming together now yeah. that's why the weight room was in the concession <laughs> right. stand so uh so that was so sometime you you arrived on the scene i guess 83 84 so this right. was 82 so you were if it was there if the varsity if everything was how it is now or somewhat i know some things have changed probably uh with the weight room at least that you would have been one of the first classes to experience that if uh the industrial arts room wasn't there so so the varsity lock is the boys varsity lock room um i don't think the i don't know if things have changed now to make it more equal but I know the girls didn't have anything as nice as this, as far as I know. If you're thinking the locker rooms, I mean, I assume at games they they dress under the bleachers. Is that where they, which I love those. I mean, gosh, those locker rooms are great under the, on the other side of the bleachers, under the visiting bleachers, um, which is, you know, a pretty cool locker, a pretty, the whole thing's cool. I mean, and the nooks and crannies and so forth that we mentioned, I think on episode two, but um, so this varsity, I mean, State of the art, I I consider when I came into the, to the school, I'd never been down there. Not maybe during track, we had to go get in my management career. I had to go down there <laughs> and get some uh, 
uh, pole vaults and things out of the storage room, kind of right when you come down and you walk in, there's a room on your right, a very crowded storage room, at least at yep. that time. It was right across from the bulletin board where depth charts and things would be posted. Um, I know um, Bob Bowser helped me get some things out of there one day. He was a high school student. I was in junior high. He helped me in the – but that, that was Good my job, first Bob. time in that locker room. But, yeah, as I said, state of the art. It's uh, these nice – huge lockers uh red and blue i were they or they were they all red or all blue but red and blue and um a, a training table there in the middle of the floor um your your main varsity players were in this main room and then there was a second room on the other side of it near the toilet yeah. where there were some more lockers but some i know if you're pre-1983 you've never may have not ever been in there before but yeah, any you guys played more varsity sports than i did so go with anything on the varsity locker room i remember probably more than just during football season you know you early in the season you know it got to but the, the more you got throughout and it was hot and kids never took a lot of kids never <laughs> took their stuff home oh <laughs> yeah just, i mean sometimes you could just like stand up a pair of football pants and they would yeah. be so stiff that they wouldn't <laughs> like the t-shirt that you would wear under your yes. shoulder pads i've People just wear that same T-shirt every day, and it was it was stiff when you get out of the locker. So. In my head, it's still with that train table. It's not very big, but I'm trying to think how many lockers were actually in there. The bigger, the, like the really big ones, because I think the other locker room had smaller um, lockers. Or, right? had a little smaller. Yeah, there's maybe like twenty in half. there. I was gonna say twenty. I was gonna say fifteen to twenty, for sure. And then there was, I'd say there was probably another ten back in the fresh soft locker yeah. room. I think they may have been like hat where you, there was a top and a bottom, so you had halvesies, so yeah. it doubled it up. But you know, I, I know we didn't. I don't know. I mean, some of the kids drove, and I don't think we had like locks. I think you just <laughs> left your stuff yeah. in there. Oh yeah, time. I never locked any no locks. Yeah, nothing, nothing like that. Is, but is the locker room the same today? I don't know. I'm. I know that's where they dress for football games. I'm pretty sure. So I don't okay. know if it's all. I mean, like, maybe they've right. done some renovations, but it's basically the same. I'll bet they're those same red and blue lockers. I. Now, I mean, what those, is those back? Like lifetime. I know they've got a new weight room. Is it back where the old weight room was? Or yeah, what, but I think they broke. Oh, back, broke I think they broke down a wall. That, yeah. There was a wall, so I think they've okay. taken that down. Okay, okay. And probably other things too. But I know, like yeah. Billy's posted some pictures on the dogs' football page, and it looks like it's like one huge, wide open room now. Okay, but it's so, in the same. It's in the same spot. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, and then the weight room also. Back when I was in school, and you guys having more on the well, Brian. Talk about the varsity locker. You haven't mentioned anything in the varsity locker room or you know, weight room. We can go. It's all one, so we can throw out anything. Yeah, I mean, I I did. I had a lot of social interaction and a lot of fun in the in the weight room. I didn't do a whole lot of lifting <laughs> weights, but I had some great conversations with Neil and and some of my buddies. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd sit on that universal and just do the. I was gonna say know, I, the leg press. I, 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 I pictured the leg press machine, and then they had, then they had the universal bench press right that right there. Then you then you had the other room where like where the like the serious guys. Yeah, I never did a free weight. <laughs> I, I could serious guys did the free weight. I could have hosted one hell of a. I could have hosted one hell of a podcast. Out. We we my, maxed out on the universal when I was. I was gonna say, yeah. I, my senior year, I maxed out on the on the bench press, and it was the mo- it was the stupidest thing. It was like. <laughs> I don't know, 235 pounds or something. I could I couldn't even be close to lift it, but I I got like one side up and then <laughs> coach would, coach and the spotter would like lift up the other side for me and then I just kind of keep doing that. Until, yeah, I know I never I maxed it. out on the free weight. I did the bench really? press on the universal and the leg press, combined them all, 400 club t-shirt right there. Uh, Damn. 
Well, I liked how uh, Billy posted all those little sticky notes that Coach yeah. Evans kept on there. I think Coach, I think Billy may have alluded. I'm not sure how valid some of those records were, and I can vouch for that too. But, um, but I think Coach Evans is right. He got people excited to get those T-shirts, and whether or not you really did it, it sure as hell made you feel good when you got that. Next I year. I always picture oh, the seniors when I was a freshman maxing out on the leg press, the universal leg press machine, and everybody had to like with. Cause I think that thing went up to 500 pounds. I yeah. think it was a max on it, but then we would hold like 45 pound weights, like on top of it to, to, you know, increase the amount of weight. It couldn't have been accurate, but I, I just oh, remember, no. I think it was, I, I remember doing that. We'd have to hold the extra weights on there and then it'd take like three guys to hold down the person that was trying to, trying to leg press. <laughs> yeah. Cause you'd raise your butt up and it was a hell of a lot easier to do when you get your butt off I, the seat. I think it was more, more weight than that, that the actual machine had possibly but i remember a story it might have went it's actually it might have went up to six yeah but i i did i didn't witness this but and i think it was jason thacker not jerome but he had a just a just a ton of weight on there and his feet slipped off and came back and cracked him in the shins and and i just always thought i was glad i didn't see that because that couldn't have been That couldn't have been great, but I, I started to say a while ago, I I could have hosted a hell of a podcast back in 1986 <laughs> at that locker room because that's all I did was sit around there and talk to everybody. But well, you know, one of the big things in uh, in that time, whether you're in the locker room or whether you're in the weight room, was music. Does anybody have any music that that really comes to mind when you think about locker rooms and weight room? Well- since we're on the weights, when I used to max out as a freshman, I had eighth hour PE. So we got, we spent a lot of time where we could go in the weight room and we'd max out and stuff then. So it was great to be eighth hour PE was like the athletic PE. So I guess, cause I played sports and stuff come in, I got to be in that class for a couple years and lots of great memories from, from that. And, um, I remember it would have been like may of my freshman year. It may have been when I hit the 400 club or I may have already been in there, but I, I don't even like this song this much, but I hear, I think of the weight room every time I hear it and it's uh, George Michaels. He slowed it down after the success with faith and father figure. He slowed it down a little more with uh, one more try room on like a spring afternoon. It's the sun coming through the windows. Yeah. This was getting people pumped up in the weight room. <laughs> it was just, we had Waco or something on just the radio was on. So it's what it, whatever came on. Oh, I don't, want oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, like my, uh, what I think of the weight room, I'll stick with the weight room because there's a, uh, it seems like probably would have been Dave's senior year and my junior year, or maybe sophomore going into junior, but I just remember down the weight room was like Phipps and John Phipps and uh, Matt Schrader and King and a bunch of us were always down there, Ethan Donaldson. And we played, to me, two tapes come to mind. We played Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. We also played uh, Black Crows, Shake Your Money Maker, and they would just play the entire time. So the song that I picked was going to be Remedy by the Black Crows. Yeah. What a great intro to a song. For you Howard Stern fans out there, that's how they begin the wrap-up show, too. Good morning, everybody! Yeah, great song. What song do you guys think of? Because we've talked about that 89 season that uh, where Coach Bagby was our head coach. What song are you thinking of during that f- late summer, fall of 89? Where do you, Dave, Gary, what are you thinking of there? 
one song, and I'll bring this up a little later. I don't even think it ever materialized in anything. I'll never forget the first meeting that Bagby had in the band room. Like his introduction, like introducing himself to the team. He was all excited, most excited I've ever seen anybody in my life almost. <laughs> he had all these big plans, and basically he was gonna bri- he was gonna blare welcome to the jungle, like over the loudspeakers outside the uh outside the thing. So when I think of that season, I think of that song. <laughs> so don't think it ever happened, but that's a great song to run out to. Would have been, yeah, it would have been fantastic. But that song, I'll, I guess I'll go ahead and segue into it. Whenever I hear that song, it takes me to the varsity locker room in 1980, fall of 1988. I mean, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I hear that song. I, I right think of that there. spot. I've probably heard this song 4,000 times in my life, and it still never gets old. (laughs) I might have heard it 4,000 times that fall. Yeah. Um, What else? The the late summer of 89 going into my first year at uh, varsity football, and I can almost – it's like he just puts me back there. I can even like those early morning double-day practices – you did want to get up. I know practice, they, I think they started like at 7.30. It felt like 5 in the morning. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, but I, I, and I hear, whenever I hear Dr. Feelgood uh, on the radio, that I mean, I am in that locker room getting ready for football practice. And I can just, no matter when I hear it, man, man, that makes me feel like the, the late summer of 89. I'm there right now. <laughs> It's strange too because I don't necessarily remember like playing music in the locker room like my junior Dave. I don't know if you remember that or even senior. I don't remember that. I just nothing hits me. <laughs> nothing, nothing jumps out at me. Yeah, yeah. per se. Um, I'm sure we would add music on, but yeah, I'm sure we did too. But just nothing, nothing connected with me for some reason for that. Yeah, we were and so it may, focused. It may, on, it may have been retreads from past seasons. Too, probably, but we. Music was starting to take a bit of a turn then too. Yeah, so that's, that is true. Well, this, we were so focused on winning all those football games that we, eight, we were in eighty six, eighty seven. Let me tell you, this got played a lot. As it should. Yeah, it, we, we've, we've said this a million times, I've told people this a bunch of times, that Gary has the best quote ever, that music is the best form of time travel that we have because it can put you in a in an exact spot and an exact time. And and uh, as you, people that listen to this podcast know, we're pretty big music fans. And um, I'm guessing that there'll be a few music-only episodes <laughs> just like this. Well... If we still have any listeners left after we just started talking for an hour and just kept going, I, I appreciate you uh, hanging in there with us as we talked about some of the different facilities that are so near and dear to our heart. And you know, maybe uh, we could start putting a little uh, something, a little trivia question for people to have to answer on the, for some sort of a swag or yes. guess if you ever get that to right. see if they're listening all the way through. There you go. 
This may be a tough one to get through for just a regular person. I'm sure my mom will listen to the whole thing. But. Yeah, yeah, and and stick with us. You know, we we're sometimes we're just going to start talking and and have fun with it, and hope to hope that you have a little bit of fun too. But uh, so um, great show last week with Mandy. We'll get this one up fairly quickly, and then uh, we are going back to the drawing board. We're going to decide what we're going to do over the next couple of shows. We actually had some things planned and. And i um, not going to spoil it because we're going to do it soon, but we had some Thanksgiving break ideas that didn't well, wasn't able to materialize. So yeah, we'll, I we'll think we'd eventually had to get some live, because we're in four different locations right now, as you've seen some of the pictures we posted on Facebook. Uh, we'd eventually like to all of us get together and bring in some live guests from, from Red Hills Past to sit with us at times. So well, and I'll just, that'll be fun. I'll, I'll spoil it because I think we may have talked about this actually one time on the show. But um, when we do a Little League episode, um, that's definitely what we want to do, we, you know, to to get the uh, a bunch of the old coaches and, and, and players and things to come in and talk about Bridgeport Little League. And that's definitely one, I think, with the amount of people that we'd like to have on the show and, and you know, and trying to – it's not easy to do all this over Zoom and, and things. So uh, that's definitely one that in the spring we would love to do live. And we can get a lot of people involved because there were so many uh, – so many people instrumental in, in the little league and, and some legendary stories and that'll come out of that, I'm sure. And, and it involves a lot of people that listen, you know, everybody played little league baseball down there. So lots of yeah, good stuff like that. No, I can't wait everyone, to, to well, do a yeah. show. At, yeah. I can't yeah, wait to do a show, a show at Gray's restaurant. Hopefully Todd would have us and, I think that would be a blast to set up and do one there in the back of McGray's, and maybe that's the one to do it. Well, we've we've got a part two episode coming up that uh, would be ideal for that location, so we're going to continue to work on that. And uh, speaking of Gray's, give them your business, and when you do, let them know that you heard about them here, as well as Griffin's Pizza House and Stacy at People State Bank. We really appreciate his sponsorship and uh andrews insurance agency all of those businesses do so much in the past and still do for red hill sports and, and the school district as a whole so we, we really appreciate them sponsoring us and 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 uh, help helping cover some of the costs of this but that's going to do it for this episode of old school red hill I appreciate you listening. Chip, any final words? No, if, if you're still listening right now, thank you to our listeners for listening and downloading each week. We really appreciate it. David King, talk to us, my man. Same thing. Uh, really appreciate the people that listen. Um, we're having a great time putting this together, so hopefully you're enjoying it as well. And the final word of this week's podcast goes to one of the legendary quarterbacks in the history of the game, Gary Emmons. Yeah, this is so much. I mean, I'm glad we got this, whether, like I said, I think people enjoy these. I really do. But, I mean, nothing's better than getting together with these three guys and reminiscing about the good old days. And uh, I thank our sponsors, too. And uh, I say I hope everybody enjoys this half as much as we are putting it on.